Hi, this is Bron Burton, and this is the podcast of Triple R's Radio Marinara, a weekly radio show exploring all things wet and salty, broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Sunday. Hope you enjoy the podcast, and feel free to get in touch with us via Radio Marinara's Facebook page. There we go. A lot better. <laughs> Welcome to 2022. Actually, it's already, what was it, the 30th of January? But it's our first show back. It is. I know. How exciting. Welcome to Radio Marinara. We are the program about all things wet and salty. And my name is Bron Burton. And I'm Brett Ditchfield. Otherwise known as? The Cabin Boy. Yay, you're oh. in studio. This is a big deal. I need to do Brett the Cabin Boy Ditchfield, don't I? That's yeah, seem more more professional. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, look, it's wonderful to be back. And hello to you out there. We've missed you. We hope you've had a, a great summer. Um, it's still going, of course. It's not the end of summer. We've got another month to go and possibly longer. It's been a warm summer too. We've had a long stretch of warm weather, which is kind of killed me a little bit because uh, our house heats up quickly. Yeah, and muggy. Yes. We're kind of stating the obvious, aren't we? Well, you know, as someone said, it's like Queensland without the uh, theme parks. Mm. <laughs> I think that's not such a bad yeah, thing. Yeah, true. And probably the Bogans, yeah. <laughs> Sorry if you're from Queensland. <laughs> have we, we got off to a great start? <laughs> Offended quite a few people already. Hey, uh, thanks so much, Tim Thorpe, for Vital Bits. It's been lovely seeing Tim again. Uh, in studio and and thank you so much to Andrew for soulful bits. I did love your little Frenchy way to finish final bits. This and a little morning. bit of gospel. Yeah, mm, mm, much contra- to controversial. I was going to say much to Tim's uh, kind of yeah few eyebrows <laughs> raised there. <laughs> you can catch Tim next weekend uh, from six till nine on Saturday and again on Sunday for uh, another six hours of wonderful weekend vital bits. On our program. Actually, before we do that, I need to thank Jenny Davis. Uh, Jenny has been covering this time slot over the last six weeks for Live Transmission, which is a really great program, actually. It was very nice to kind of sit up in bed with a cup of tea and listen to Jenny. So she was, um, if you missed it, she was talking about science through an historical lens and focusing on science in the lands of the Gunai Kurnai people which now is known as Gippsland, and really just focusing in on, on the great scientists yeah. over time um, from that region. So thank you, Jenny, very much. It was really great. If you missed the show and you want to kind of listen to what I'm talking about, of course, you can go back via Radio On Demand. Just go back to um, the last six weeks during the Radio Marinara time slot and have a listen. Um, on today's program, we've, we've got a big one to kick off. I can't believe we're so uh, full. For, I thought we were going to ease into it. That was but the no. plan. That was the plan. Um, we're going to firstly catch up with Neil Blake. He is our Port Phillip Baykeeper. So we're going to kick off with a chat with Neil about a few things. Um, I don't know if you've noticed in the socials, but also in uh, mainstream media coverage, there's been a, a very large number of lion's mane jellies this summer. Um, I've seen that mentioned. I reckon the water seems clearer this year too. Wherever I've been, I, it, it surprised me how clear it is. So, yeah, it'll be interesting that you take on that. Yeah, maybe. I was going to say lack of rain. Of course, we've had some massive downpours, but sort of dry spells in between. And probably not so many people down the beach with all their sunscreen and their, you know, like that. Yeah, yeah so it would be interesting to see his take on it. And you're wondering whether maybe the jellies have got something to do with it. True, yeah. Well, hopefully it's like the uh, marine life's coming back because uh, of the 
well, the downturn of people going down the beach and using things. So, yeah. so we'll talk to Neil about that. And um, also he's been spotting some interesting estuarine snails in St Kilda and Altona. Uh, and he's got some uh, shoreline surveys coming up. So we'll talk with Neil about that. We're then going to speak with Jackie Younger. So we're going to uh, jump from, um, I guess, the northern part of the bay mostly down to the uh, Mornington Peninsula to talk about some of the great community cleanup efforts over the last six weeks and also an upcoming seaside scavenge at McRae in two weeks' time. Then uh, we're going to stay down that neck of the woods and speak with George Thomas and Pete Jackson from Stand Up Victoria. Uh, George is the president of that outfit and uh, Pete is a highly active member of that community and also competitive stand-up paddleboarder. Well, it's SUP. Come on, Bron, get with it. It's, okay, yeah. I've got to say SUP. <laughs> yeah, you've got to say SUP. <laughs> I wondered whether they were competitive because you know how the human race, we always have to compete with something. So yeah. something nice and relaxing as supping is suddenly competitive. Yeah, mm. interesting. We've actually had someone um, reach out to us through our Facebook page um, to make a comment on something that she wanted us to mention. So we'll make sure we do that when we come around to that time. So we're going to talk about supping <laughs> and, um, you know, the, the recreational, the competitive side of it and uh, and this big thriving community of paddleboarders along the Victorian coastline. They're everywhere. Yeah. It looks good. Too. Yeah, I know. And big thanks to David Turnbull, who is a long-time Triple R subscriber and Radio Marinara listener, and he's been reaching out to us a bit over the last few years with all sorts of different things. But yeah, he's been gently nudging, saying, "Come on, you're yeah. going to talk about stand-up paddleboarding, <laughs> so we're doing it, David. We're doing it for you." Mm. Um, and then to close the show, Nicole Mertens from the Victorian National Parks Association. We have a sea slug census, uh, which we at Radio Marinara like to call Nudie Watch, <laughs> uh, celebration of our glorious nudie banks and sea slugs. And uh, the eleventh uh, sea slug census for Melbourne, because it's actually part of a really big program, is underway this weekend. So we're going to talk to Nicole about what's been going on. She's been down at Apollo Bay, so lucky her. Yeah, I want to ask her about diving at Apollo Bay as well. Um, okay. Because I haven't dived down there. No, well, I'm not a diver, so I haven't either. Mm. Mm, but it's always good to finish with a sea slug. Mm. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> now, normally at this point I throw to whoever's in studio to cover the weather and I've just realised that I didn't ask you to organise that, Brett. Um, It's warm. It's <laughs> muggy. <laughs> and I think it will be warm tomorrow and the next day also. Um, give me oh, five minutes and I'll look that up. Maybe we can Excellent. come back for that. So, yeah. All right, brilliant. Um. Or I can do it if you want to kick off because I know you've got some news to cover from the world of sailing. Yeah, well, I haven't done much sailing over summer. Um, checked on the boat. We're on a mooring. I reckon there's going to be a plague of seagulls because every no one's been down to their boats, so seagulls have been nesting on every boat and um, it's going to be quite, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. Um, but I did notice I was down Geelong last weekend. The Festival of Sail is, I think it's the biggest sail race I don't know, I'm not going to say the world, in uh, Victoria, the Southern Hemisphere. Didn't catch it, but they have a, a lot of music down there too. But I did see them coming down the bay with their spinnakers up. And there was oh. about 100 boats or something, and it looked absolutely magnificent. So uh, that's all over and done with. But a good positive thing that's happening is the Wooden Boat Festival of Geelong is back. Oh, cool. It's on the 12th to 14th of March. So it's down at the Royal Geelong Yacht Club. So uh, if you're into a little bit of art on water, which is what these classic boats are, I'd wander down there. And in fact, the young... Endeavour, which is a tall ship, is already down there docked at the um, just on the long arm near the uh, near the uh, Geelong Yacht Club, and I think the Enterprise will also be popping up 
the uh, that end of the bay for the uh, 12th to the 14th of March too. So um, yeah, otherwise there's uh, it seems everyone's out and about in their boats, which is uh, good to see. Very good to see indeed. I've got a special track to play for you in just a moment, Brett. That's good. Is yeah. it something to do with sailing? It is. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Very good. Before we do that, I've just got the weather for you. Uh, heading for a top of 28 today, humid and cloudy, possible rainfall zero to one millimetre with a chance of 30%. Um, tomorrow, 30, humid, partly cloudy. So we're back into that humid, partly cloudy, maybe a bit of rain space. Uh, Tuesday, again, 29, humid shower or two, and then down to 21 for a bit of relief on Wednesday and cloudy uh, 23 on Thursday, possible shower, 26, mostly sunny on Friday, 28 and uh, partly cloudy on Saturday. So, yeah, three days of warm, humid, bleh. I think that's what I said. You did. That's exactly <laughs> what you said. You didn't need me at all. And Wednesday we're going to get down to 21 for a little bit of relief. Oh, good. And the tide times for people who are wanting to go out and do something that depends on the tides, the next high tide at Portfield Heads, oh, is it 11, 10 p.m.? That's probably not much use. Next low tide in Portfield Heads is at 3.54 p.m. and the tide is currently falling at the heads. Without further ado, it's a great pleasure to welcome back Neil Blake, our baykeeper. Good morning, Neil. Good morning, Bones. And, and Cabot. Good <laughs> morning, Neil. <laughs> hey, great to have you back with us. Um, welcome. Yeah, it's, uh, it's good to connect again. Yeah. Hey, uh, how, how has your uh, last six weeks been? Well, it's been uh, pretty full on. The heat's been very interesting. Uh, unusual in that... And I've spent a little bit of time uh, down on by the bay, but uh, mainly up around Reservoir too and uh, the Darabin Creek. <laughs> it's all connected, isn't it, Neil? Yes, that's right. Yeah. So we mentioned at the start of the program we were going to talk a little bit about the lion's mane jellies and um, that was something that you wanted to talk about. It certainly attracted a lot of interest. Yeah, it's quite fascinating really. Uh, and it's a... It's all relative, really. I mean, there's been some, I've seen some fairly uh, interesting responses to it um, on Facebook where people are wanting to actually harvest them and turn them into fertiliser. And uh, <laughs> so, But, uh, I mean, there are a few around, but it's not quite uh, pandemic proportions, I wouldn't have thought. No, I've seen a bit of commentary, um, same thing in social media with people talking about how many of them there are and maybe it depends on whereabouts you are in Port Phillip Bay and I don't know what the situation's been like in Western Port with um, lion's mane jellies. Maybe before we talk about them in terms of their abundance, it would be good to just give a little description. We've put a photo of them up on our Facebook page but maybe for people listening who aren't connected um, to us via Facebook, can you describe what the lion mane, lion's mane jellies are like? Uh, yeah, they're, well, the ones that are... Uh, been aware of in the bay have been relatively small so the the bell of a lion's mane jelly can get you know up to a meter across apparently and uh, they can have 10 meter long tentacles so i don't think we've seen anything like that mm. uh, although there might have been one or two individuals down in the south of the bay but uh, generally they're, they're um i suppose they're uh, mainly identified by their their color which is a sort of a deep pink and that can vary depending on where they're um, foraging, etc. Uh, and they do have um, eight lobed, uh, deep lobes around the outside of the bell too. So uh, it's the, the colour in that, those lobes 
those are the really distinguishing features. Yeah, and they can, they can, as you said, they can get quite big. I don't think I've ever seen one that's a metre across, but the, most of the lion's mane jellies that I've seen either sort of washed up or in the water have, you know, been around that 30, 30 centimetre sort of mark in terms of their diameter, which is still quite yeah. big. Yeah, and actually uh, my uh, colleague Cecile van der Berg is um, it's, uh, down in southeastern Tassie uh, about a month ago and uh, saw quite a few washed up on beaches there and some of them were, you know, they were generally around about the 400 millimetres across. Uh, so that's quite large. And and that sort of, uh, that, that presence um, seems to relate a little bit to uh, what I'd like to talk about today in terms of the, those that are turned up in the bay. Uh, because it seems to me that there's been an extension of the East Australian current this year, possibly associated with the La Nina, which has pushed um, marine creatures like the, the lion's manes down into the Tasman Sea. And we've had a succession of low pressure systems that have passed across the, the Melbourne region uh, and across to the Tasman Sea, which have probably um, sent uh, those creatures uh, westward into Bass Strait. Uh, as a result of the easterly and southeasterly winds that are generated by those low pressure systems. That's fascinating. So into Bass Strait. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Is I mean, that normal? Basically, uh, you know, with a low pressure system, you've got the um, the wind patterns are uh, travelling in a clockwise direction around it. So if if it's located just uh, in the right place in the Tasman Sea, then the bottom end of it is actually going to be pushing things. Westward. So, are they uh, tropical? Are they a tropical species? Uh, well, there's, actually, that's a good question, uh, Brett. There's a number of. Uh, there's actually about three species, uh, but um, the uh, there's one though that uh, ranges from New South Wales down into Victoria and Tasmania, mm -hmm. and that's what we believe this one is. So, uh, but yeah, so certainly. Um, the, the uh, those that are turning up in Tassie, they had probably had come from further north, though, up in the New South. They'd be getting Wales a region. bit of a surprise once they reached the uh, cold waters of Bass Strait, though, I'd imagine. <laughs> you would think so, yeah, but uh, they seem to be coping. I mean, yeah. they've, they've been recorded, Lions Mains have been in the bay before, and they seem to cope with the uh, temperatures here, so. Uh, uh, but yeah, I'm not sure about then down off southeastern Tassie. Cecile did say that she could see them from the cliff tops, actually in the water. You know, wow. but uh, those that um, turned up at where she photographed quite a few on beaches, and uh, uh, they looked um, fairly past uh, <laughs> past caring. <laughs> be um, interesting to know. This might be a question for Dave Donnelly, but in, in terms of whether or not um, uh, dolphins eat them. I'm wondering what their predators might be out there. Do you know, Neil? Uh, no, well, I think I guess I believe that um, turtles will eat them, but uh, it's, it's, then it becomes a question of how many predators there are, as in any predator-prey relationship, I suppose. So uh, yeah, don't think we have too many turtles around. No, and it'd be, woods. it'd be a big belly for one of those <laughs> one meter ones. Yeah. And just to emphasise, we'll talk about we'll move on to talk about snails in just a sec, but um, they, they're not uh, then. The worst that really they're going to do, unless you're particularly sensitive to them, is just give you a bit of a mild sting. You, you certainly don't want to be going and, and covering yourselves in my lion's mane jellyfish. But, no, um, but it's best to avoid them if you can. But yeah. they, if you do unwittingly uh, run into one, then you may have a, um, uh, a burning sensation, uh, as I've been told by people who have experienced it. Uh, but it's not, the end, you know, not too dramatic and um, 
and you can recover from it okay, provided you, you take the right steps. But it's people who may have an allergic reaction that uh, that will need medical attention. Yep. All right, let's move on to talk about this uh, mystery estuarine snail that you've spotted, Neil. Yeah, I'm very, uh, you know, I'm just mad about mollusks, right? <laughs> <laughs> enough of, this, <laughs> enough of these jellies. Let's talk about the important invertebrates, eh? <laughs> yeah, so uh, I was actually uh, taking a walk down at St Kilda West Beach, which uh, the Cowderoy Street drain uh, comes out there into the St Kilda Harbour area. And uh, it's been developing, uh, well, quite an extensive sand spit there and, in, in closer proximity to the drain mouth, uh, there's sort of very fine silts almost becoming a mud flat. Um, no mangroves yet, but we, we live in hope. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I saw these little babies, what I thought were baby conical sand snails, because they're only about maybe uh, 10 to 15 millimetres across. And uh, I was quite fascinated to see there were just seem to be thousands of them there. Uh, and then um, I did. There's also I've been spending a bit of time over at Altona, uh, where I'll be doing some shoreline shell surveys later on today. Uh, and um, I read a historical, uh, or a semi-historical, I suppose it was 1992 management plan for the Altona Coastal Park, and they mentioned this species of snail, a Salinator fragilis, there. That uh, and um, on my visit, I actually saw some in the estuary of the Laverton Creek too. Uh, so that's sort of what drew my attention to the species, which I'd never seen before uh, or heard about. So all of the shoreline shell surveys that I've done, uh, they haven't turned up in them. And so, yeah, it's become a little bit of a interesting journey. Yeah, so you've got them in two locations so far. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and so and what is of interest to me is that they seem to have a very niche habitat. So they live in the upper tidal areas, uh, and of these mudflats, and sometimes associated with mangrove areas. Uh, but um, those species that do, and they may be, I believe, uh, an important prey item for the waders and other shorebirds because of their sheer numbers. They um, one reference to them uh, said that they occur in countless millions on intertidal mudflats of bays and estuaries mm. in southern Australia. Do we know whether you find them in Western Port? If we're talking about mangrove habitats being good for them? Uh, they do, and in fact that's what sort of um, triggered my interest in that the, the, the uh, wader connection mm. is that there has been a study down there, uh, I think it was in the in 1990s of uh, wading birds in their diet and uh, the Salinator fragilis uh, turned up in, uh, I think it's eastern curlews and banded stilts. Yeah, right. And I'm thinking about um, the Western Treatment Plant too. Yeah, uh, that area no around there. Be around. Uh, so, uh, yeah. again, it's just uh, being in the right place. You, you need to be there at low tide because that's when they're active and on the surface uh, when the tide comes in. They're actually um, related to the terrestrial snails uh, as opposed to the marine ones. So, huh. uh, uh, and apparently have their abil an ability to hold their breath when the tide comes in. So. <laughs> it's a long time. 
That's right. That's pretty cool. Hey, uh, we'll have to move on, Neil, but um, it sounds like you've got a couple of uh, instant honours projects sitting there waiting to be done. So um, um, are you in touch with people uh, in terms of getting this information out there? We Hopefully people who are listening in various tertiary institutions might be interested in getting in touch with you. Um, they can do that via Baykeeper at the... Baykeeperatecocentre.com. Yeah, what I would like to do is actually do a, a study of... Uh, account uh, probably in late April of this year so we need to develop a, uh, a survey method that we can get an accurate estimate of the numbers at, at St Kilda West Beach. Excellent well we'll definitely have you back on before then and we can talk some more about that one then and uh, meanwhile we've, we've given your details and you've got a shoreline survey uh, this afternoon you mentioned um, can people come along and join you for that? Uh, well, that's a tricky one, really. Um, we have promoted a little bit at um, Altona, so I just sort of put the uh, proviso out that, um, you know, it's not a situation where we'd like hundreds of people. <laughs> <laughs> uh, with, and with the COVID safety and all that sort of stuff. So, uh, but uh, we'll, we'll be meeting at Apex Park in uh, Altona um, at uh, 6pm. Uh, to do an hour study of the, uh, the Lavender, Laverton Creek mouth. Well, maybe and, people can, uh, maybe people. Another one at, at Jawbone Sanctuary at, at 7.30 to 8.30. Okay. Well, maybe people can wave at you from a safe distance, Neil, yeah, if they're down so that way. Yeah, want to just come down. It should be a nice evening for a walk and, uh, you know, so we, we could work it out. So, uh, But uh, in terms of large group gathering around, sort of um, seeing what we found, uh, that could be a bit problematic. All right. Well... Thanks for joining us, Neil. It's been wonderful speaking with you again. Um, missed you over pleasure. the last six weeks. Yeah, and we'll uh, we'll catch up with you again soon. Okay, then. Good on you. Okay. Enjoy the show. Bye. Bye for now. Neil Blake there, our baykeeper. Fantastic. He does get around, doesn't he? Yeah. He does. I can just uh, picture like hundreds of people wait, you know, waiting through to find these little seashells. Yeah, no, <laughs> it's not going to happen. But uh, We live in hope. I know, but the um, he must do some amazing work, yeah, and just – that he's wandering along and he just notices, um, yeah, all the little species on the beach. So cool. Oh, yeah. We're now crossing to speak with Jackie Younger from Dive to You uh, about all kinds of different things related to diving and community cleanups. Good morning, Jackie. Good morning. Happy New Year. <laughs> yeah, how long do we say that? I've always, every year I come... I don't know. I don't know. I was just thinking that. It doesn't feel right, but I haven't spoken to you properly this year, so I felt I should say it. <laughs> and I reckon you can't say it enough, can you? Well, it's 30th no, of Jan. Oh, definitely. Yeah, definitely. New year, good year. 30th of Jan today. You can't do it after this. After today. Yeah. That's Done. Last day. Yeah. Excellent. All right. Well, happy new year to you too, Jackie. Thank you. Yeah. Hey, um, we were talking a couple of days ago about some of the amazing work I've been watching it too on the socials um, across the summer. The incredible efforts by community to push on and do all this great cleanup work um so can we start with that one and just give us a bit of an, an idea of what you and your your people have been up to oh absolutely oh look it's just so encouraging you know post-covid um it's just so nice to see everyone re-engaging with each other again um there's been a few really good cleanups um save our save our, um save flinders pier and sea shepherd did a massive cleanup at flinders pier in early january um, also, Beach Patrol's just been kicking goals. There's been hand-cleaning trials um, to hand-clean the seaweed along some of our local beaches here, which is one I really wanted to mention because um, there, there's a survey with the Morning, Mornington Peninsula Shire. So if anyone's interested in that, please go on and, and, and let your thoughts be known. Jackie, um, can I yes? jump in? Your hand-cleaning yes. seaweed. 
Yes, yes. I'm not. Inv- I'm not. I'm just. I'm not. I haven't actually taken part in that. I just really wanted to mention it. Beach Patrol in the Shire. Yeah. What's that entail? Uh, doing... So, oh, literally hand cleaning seaweed. So basically, <laughs> they're as as you as you're probably aware, they're mechanically cleaning a lot of the beaches. So, you know, that has its good points and its bad points. Uh-huh. But there's a lot of um, you know animal life that lives in that in that seaweed. Um, it's really important to leave it there. Yeah. So there's a, there's trials and a survey out at the moment to ask the public how they feel about it. So really important if people are interested in that to go on the Mornington Peninsula Shire website and have your say how you feel about it. Cool. That that clears that up. I, I just pictured you in the water with a little scrubbing brush, yeah, cleaning. I'll tell you what, I've been close. <laughs> um, one thing I wanted to mention before we before we go into scavengers, I did hear earlier in the program talking about, you know, people saying, you know, there, there might not have been as many people at the beaches. I don't know yep. whether that's up in town, but down here, it is, it's busier than I've ever seen it. Okay. So busy, yeah, which is fantastic. Um we just need the facilities to account for that and we need the services to, you know, account for the amount of the increase in, in visitors to the Mornington Peninsula in particular. Yeah, a couple of things related to that. One is, um, and I put the photo of you with a, you know, a handful of um, oh. fishing lures, <laughs> um, a couple, few squid jigs amongst them as well. So I gather yep. the, the, the fishing activity has really increased a lot over the summer months when people have been able to get out there again. Oh, absolutely. Look, you know, it's it's not judging the fishermen. We need more education on what kind of equipment people should be using at these piers. They use very heavy sinkers. Um, they use lures that just get caught in the seagrass. And look, particularly at Portsea, I like to give Portsea some love because Portsea, because of the surges we get at Portsea, um, uh, we get big surge tides there. It's really hard to organise clean-up events there, so it actually gets missed a lot. So it's been really fantastic to see all these divers go down in twos or threes or fours and give Portsea a clean. I mean, it really uh, it, it, it really does need some love and attention, that pier. <laughs> yeah, and just important, as you mentioned, you know, the numbers have been really big uh, down your way in the peninsula, uh, Mornington Peninsula, I'm assuming it's the same yeah. over on the Bellarine. Um, that increased human activity brings potential for increased human impact. And I saw um, some footage just this morning, actually, um, before I came in with a whole lot of jet skis going out there and hassling the bunner and dolphins. Have you you seen that one? Look, I have. Um, Look, this comes down to, you know, we've had endless conversations over the years, you know, with the council about enforcement. Um, You know, we just don't have enough people on the waters to to, to patrol this. Um, Obviously... You know, look, some people don't just don't care about the regulations. Um, I'll, I'll be honest. Some people are, are, are not aware of it. Um, whatever it is, we're not doing the right thing to make people aware. Whatever we're doing is not working. Um, yeah, there's a lot of jet skis down here, and that's not blaming people who have a jet ski. Um, you know, people see this wildlife and they're really excited, and we might have big groups around these dolphins and that aren't necessarily getting too close, but there's too many of them. Mm. So we really need to think over there over the winter months about how we can approach... Um, next summer, because this this situation is not going to go away. The population is increasing. We're not going to um, have reduced numbers down on the peninsula, so we really need to start addressing these issues. Yeah, it's a bit like uh, a bit like the spider crabs, and we'll get onto them in the the weeks or months ahead. But you, you know, these things are going to come around every year. They're cyclical. You know, we, we get summer months, people get time off, they go down there, and so you know, you, you're absolutely right in what you say that there's the ability to predict and to plan for this stuff. Absolutely. We just need to do so. We need to do something different because it's really, it's just not working and we can't keep blaming the people on the jet skis. We need more education and enforcement to really help them connect to what their, what their, what their activity is actually having an impact on those dolphins, yeah. especially if there's juveniles in the water.
Yeah, exactly. Hey, uh, we'll have to move on in just a sec. We're going to talk about uh, stand-up paddleboarding or supping, as I, I'm trying to get my head around saying. Um, but wanted to, uh, should we give a big plug to the Seaside Scavenge at McRae coming up soon? Oh, absolutely. Look, we need to. We want to get as many people down there as possible. Seaside Scavenge McRae on the 12th of February. If you go on to search Seaside McRae Seaside Scavenge on Facebook or on Google, and you'll find it nine until two thirty. So it's a Sea Shepherd. Marine Debris are running a, a litter pick-up and sort and report, and also you can trade your, your litter for goodies and clothes and all sorts of things. I want to say it's a really good chance for the re- community to reconnect, and there's going to be lots of stalls there and different and music, and it's going to be fantastic. So uh, we've already put a link to that um, on our Facebook page. Actually, you click on your photo, Jackie, and it will take you straight. (laughs) (laughs) It will give you the details next to that. So, um, yeah, we'll we'll catch up with you. um, uh, Yeah, maybe... Maybe next weekend. We'll see if we can do it otherwise the following weekend to talk about Seaside Scavenge and, and uh, how that all goes because it really is a great community event. Hey, great to, uh, great to reconnect with you and looking forward oh, to fantastic it. fantastic to speak to you and, and see you soon. Yeah, looking forward to it. Thanks, Jackie. <laughs> Bye. See ya. Have Bye a good day. Now. You Bye. too. Bye. Jackie Younger there from uh, Dive to You doing amazing community outreach work. It's going to be interesting to see, too, if um, all these face masks that we're disposing of are going to start turning up on the beaches and in the water, too. So yeah. it's going to be, that's going to be interesting. You might have seen, seen some. I haven't yet. No, not on the beach, but I'm in the streets, which are going to end up in the stormwater drain, yeah, and down. So, yep, exactly. Mm. And uh, yeah, look, if you want to take part in some of these cleanup events, they really are fantastic. I said they were community outreach, they're way more than that. They just. Really fantastic work. And, uh, yeah, look, big uh, hat tip to Josie Jones for picking up a uh, uh, an honours award. I, I don't want to say the AD word, <laughs> Brett. <laughs> well, we, well, yeah, no, an honours award. It's an honours award. It's a January 26 honours award, let's call it that. Now, if you've driven along the Australian coastline, particularly around a bay or an estuary, chances are you've seen someone standing up on a board with a paddle, propelling themselves through the water and enjoying life. Whilst the origins of stand-up paddleboarding date back to thousands of years, paddleboarding recreationally has taken off in Australia in more recent decades, and particularly here in Victoria. To find out about supping and Victoria's active community of suppers, if that's even a term, (laughs) it's with great pleasure. We welcome to Radio Marinara and to Triple R, firstly to President of Sup Victoria, George Thomas. Good morning, George. Oop, have we got you there? Sounds a uh, royal title, the president of the stand-up paddleboarders. <laughs> yeah. Very, very waterworldish, isn't it? Yeah. You know, like <laughs> it is. We're just uh, looking at whether we might be able to get them on. Otherwise, otherwise, I'm going to have to tell you all about my stand-up paddleboarding. Yeah, why don't you do that <laughs> while, while while Kent um, works out what's happening? Never, with you. you know, miss an opportunity to drop in a place name where you've been. I. Stood up paddleboarding for the first time in Hawaii. I know. Oh wow! Know. This was many, many years ago. So, but uh, I think it's come a long way since then. Excellent. <laughs> well, well, we can find out. So uh, let's let's check that audio again um, with uh, stand-up paddleboard Victoria President George Thomas. George, are you there? Uh, thanks, Brian. Thanks for the opportunity to come on the radio today. Appreciate that. Fantastic. And. Uh, Pete Jackson, I've described you here as a highly active club member and sub competitor. Is that a good way to describe you, Pete? Uh, yeah, I've been called worse. Um, 
<laughs> Excellent. We can hear you. We can't quite see you um, just with the way things are set up here in the studio, but we'll um, we'll push on. Hey, look, thanks. Um, thanks. I, I mentioned at the start of the program, I'm going to mention him again. And um, to one of your club members and also longtime Triple R subscriber and friend of Marinara, David Turnbull, um, for really getting this chat going with you. It's been quite a few years in the making, so we, we know he's listening. Um, so big hi to you, David. Thanks so much for this. Um, look, let's start with Sup Victoria, and you are the statewide club for paddleboarders. George, this question's probably for you as club president. Can you tell us a little bit about Sup Vic and who you are and what you do? Okay. I'm going to start with an obscure thought and then track back into that. Sup is like bike riding. Now, on the way to, I'm at Blair Gary today. On the way to Blair Gary, I saw people on road bikes riding down the road. I see people on trail bikes, BMX bikes, people on park bikes. Um, so you go to your local park, and there's mum and dad and the kids on in the park on the bikes there. So paddleboarding's, and most people can jump on a bike, have a good time. Some people want to go fast, some people not so. But most people can get on a bike, have a good time. A paddleboard's essentially the same thing, but you're on water. So there's boards for going fast, there's boards for casual days, uh, there's boards for surfing. And we as a club, we've got a simple mantra, fun family to something competitive. So this morning I'm in what we call a pod paddle. We're at Blegary and everyone turns up, paddles, have a chat, da-da-da. Um, some of our crew later will be off surfing. Pete will be training for some racing events. As a club, we try and cover the gamut of that. So it's fun family to something competitive. Do you meet somewhere specifically or do you just pick a beach and uh, put it out to your members? We're, we're a state club and that's part of our hassle sometimes is that we have pods which are like mini clubs and so i run the peninsula one and we have like a weekly paddle at a set spot and so everyone will go there um we've started on a new thing which we call the outposts and the first one we've got up is is in bright and so bright's inland but there's some magnificent lakes rivers all that sort of thing and we've got a chap up there he's a member and he's going to go once a month in Lake Katuni, which okay. is, and then we're going to Grampians, um, down at Maui. So we, and that's part of what we struggle a little bit with being a state club, but we've got stuff happening all over the, the club, all over the state. Sounds like you're getting around. So you, basically, you need your board, you need your paddle. Are there any other safety, um, you know, do you uh, need a life vest? Leg, leg rope. Leg, leg rope. rope. Leg rope is number one. And we're at Blegary today. Um, and all our guys, there's a bit of high-vis, everyone's got their, their leg rope, everyone's where they should be. Two new paddlers, not to our club, not with our group, turn up, and everyone's watching them, where's your leg rope? Uh-huh. What, what about a, soon, what about a live vest? Vest, vest if you're going out past 400 metres, um, you telephone, and there's the best place for all the safety um, information is our website. Yep. So www.subvic.com and there's a whole, there's pages of all the safety information there. It's interesting. So I, I, encourage, I encourage people, people go to say like a big shop, they'll buy a board 
and we say head to our website, have a look, because um, sometimes they will buy a board without the necessary safety information, and we say get that information, join a club, join a pod, um, become you know with people that are safety minded, and but have a good time. But yeah, safety's um, got to be very very aware of safety. It's interesting, George. You mentioned um, that there's a 400 meter uh, requirement. So anything beyond 400 meters, you need to wear a life uh, a life jacket. Uh, P- PDF, PDF. Yep. Yep. Um, that's yep. a long way out, and I'm thinking particularly for beginners. You just mentioned there are a couple of people who rocked up this morning and don't have leg ropes on their boards. Um, it, it's a long way out, and I, I'm assuming that your advice for beginners would be really to wear a life. Mm. Uh, a P, P, what did you call it? PDF. PDF. Leg, oh, is that leg, personal? Leg, 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 leg rope is is your number one thing. Yep. Leg rope. That will. What will happen, Brian? You'll fall into the water. You'll put your head up. You attach to your board. Your board's your flotation device. Yeah. Um, so if you've got that leg rope, and you're close to shore, no no dramas. Even in a river or a semi-calm situation, you will fall in. As you fall in, your board will be pushed backwards and you put your head up, where's my board gone? <laughs> and you won't be able to swim quick enough. True story. The board will be <laughs> on and you'll be thinking, hey, where's my board gone? I'm in middle of nowhere. Um and yeah, it's no good. Hey Pete, I wanted to talk to you about um, competitive paddle boarding and ask you. Let's start with the scene. What's that scene like? Uh, it's it's really good. Um, it's it's eased, died off a bit recently, uh, partly because of the pandemic, I think. But it's we're keen to uh, increase the numbers of, of people that are competing. The recreational side of surf has really blown up, especially in the last two years, because um, it's a uh, it's a total body exercise um, that's low impact that anybody can do. Um, but what we'd like to do is, um, or I'd like to do especially, is encourage people to get involved in the in the fitness and sports side of SUP. Um, uh, we, we run some great events in SUP Vic. There's also some other organizations. Our, our friends in the kayak and ski world, they, they have some events that we participate in and, and Paddle Victoria do some. Um, and there's... There's races and surf events uh, all over the country. We had a, uh, a Facebook message this morning from Rachel who said, be sure to mention Racing Sup is open to all through many avenues, which is what you've just said, Pete. While Surfing Vic offers a great ocean long-distance race, Paddle Victoria Sprint offers 200-metre flat water race options, which is achievable distance for all levels of paddlers. And uh, she goes on to say this weekend is the Victorian Sprint Championships in the Gamby. And, oh, she won yesterday. Excellent. Congratulations, Rachel. She won yesterday's events and wishes there were more people entered in SUP racing enjoying the rush racing sprints gives. Um, so uh, no membership required, no conflict between governance of the sports, just enjoy it. So thanks for that. Oh, hashtag just paddle like a girl. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> good on you, Rachel. Yeah. Um, so thank you for that. Good. Yeah. Yeah, there's a good vibe at all, all the paddle events. Um, they're, they're, they're friendly. People generally don't take it too seriously. We're there to have fun and enjoy it. That's what it's all about. I read a rumour, Pete, that you've circumnavigated Port Phillip Bay on a paddleboard. Is that true? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a rumour. Always check your facts first. <laughs> oh, well, maybe you might like to. <laughs> do it for next time. Yeah, do it for that's your homework. One, one, of, one, of our, one of our club members actually did that. 
um, last year for a ch charity. Um, we did that as a charity paddle. So ah. here, uh, Shane, Shane Mitchell uh, paddled from uh, Melbourne right around the bay. Wow. Waves, Waves for Wellness, I think, was his charity. Um, and I'm scratching because this is the question without notice. But, yeah, Shane Mitchell did it because um, I remember I came down to the morning part and cheered him on. Um, then they were across the rip and I think it was two, two and a half days sort of thing. So it was mag magnificent effort. His, um, yeah, Wave, Waves for Wellness. Yeah, it is ringing a bell, George. I've got a feeling we covered this one a couple, when it when it happened, mm. um, but not to interview him, but to, to speak about it because it came across our yeah. uh, came to our attention. Um, we're only halfway through the summer. Uh, there's lots of time ahead for supping, particularly through autumn months when the waters tend to be a little bit calmer. Have you got some events or activities coming up that you'd like to promote? Uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I'll, let, I'll let Pete. You go, Pete. Okay, um, uh, coming up, uh, uh, George can um, probably tell, tell me the date exactly. I think it's in in a few weeks. We've got the Port Phillip Cup. That's being held at Chelsea, um, at Chelsea Yacht Club. Um, so that's a, a flat water course race. Um, that's um, it, Anybody could compete in that race. It's, uh, it's a really fun event. We ran it last year. I think we had about 50 competitors last year. Yeah, uh, we, had, we had... Yeah, 55 and 30-second overview. There'll be two two bunches on the Port Phillip Cup. Um, it'll be – so we'll have some boys in the water. It's a two-kilometre course. The social crew will be going around at their own pace, having a chat, having a paddle. Pete and his racing crew um, on the same course, two laps uh, – sorry, two Ks, um, and they'll do that four times. Now, when you say, um, when you say boys will be on the water, I'm assuming that there will be women – it's open to everybody. Oh no, no, sorry, boys. As in, oh, so no one gets lost. Hey, you paddle <laughs> like club. The club, the club's got some. <laughs> no, the buoy. The, the buoy. buoy. <laughs> the I'm not. Um, so big, sexist. Big, um, <laughs> I'm thinking. Of, <laughs> um, yeah, some bigger things that we blow up. Yeah, no. Nice. That you can see far away. Paddle to that big blown up thing. Um, and so there's. Of course, um, we've got some jet skis on the water, um, safety, all that sort of thing. But it's a great day just to meet some people. Um, and yeah, and the other one that we, we push to um, is Gippsland Lakes. That's in end of May. And that's there's two options there. There's 13K, uh, Meetung to Lakes Entrance, and then there's the 27K. Uh, which Pete's done a few times and Pete's training for. And Pete, where do we go for that one? For uh, so the uh, Painesville to Lakes Entrance. Wow. We might catch up with you on that one because I've just noticed the time. We've got Nicole waiting for us to talk about sea slugs. So um, two events coming up, one at Chelsea in a few weeks' time and then Gippsland Lakes at the end of May. We'll catch up with you closer to the time, if that's all right, and we can talk about details always, of those always, events Always, then. always, always, events. Everything's on the website. So, Brian, we always say head to the website, www.supvic.com. All those safety information, club information, uh, events, everything's on, on the website. 
brilliant. We've already put a link to that on our Facebook page. So if you go to oh, the, uh, the the uh, the promotional stuff about today's program and um, go to the very obvious Supvic Supvic logo, and uh, that'll take you through to that detail for your website. Hey, wonderful to speak with you both. Um, and uh, pretty sure this is going to be the first of many chats with you. So thank you, George. Thank you, Pete. Uh, happy supping, and we look forward to chatting with you again soon. I appreciate thanks. that. Thanks for the thanks for the time. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks. Bye for now. Now, what uh, it is the last weekend of January in Melbourne, what better way to celebrate than to get on some snorkelling or diving kit and go hunting for sea slugs. The 11th Melbourne Sea Slug Census, or as we like to call it here at Radio Marinara, Nudie Watch is in full swing mm-hmm. with keen sluggers from across the state playing nudibranch bingo and contributing to a growing database of some of the sea's most stunning little mollusks. Nicole Mertens is coordinating the 11th Melbourne Nudie Watch and joins us from Apollo Bay to give us a progress report on how it's all unfolding. Good morning, Nicole. Good morning. Thanks for having me again. Hey, welcome back to Marinara. Are you still in Apollo Bay? I should have checked that. I am. I'm standing in our accommodation about to clear out after, after a pretty successful weekend. Now, uh, what's it like there today? <laughs> Look, it's been it's been pretty drizzly um, the whole weekend, but that hasn't really discouraged anyone from getting out there. I wanted to talk about diving in Apollo Bay, but given the time, I think I might hold this one off till next time because um, uh, I haven't dived in Apollo Bay before. I'm pretty sure, well, it's going to be spectacular, otherwise you wouldn't be there. Um, let's talk about Sea Slug Census, and this is number 11 for Melbourne. Is that right, or for Victoria? Yep, um, yeah, so 11 censuses to date. And uh, I mentioned earlier in the program, this is part of a broader program. So the sea slug census, Kate's talked about it a lot over the years. Uh, is is it? Can we call it truly national now? Um, yeah, for sure. It's it's spanning like from you know Lord Howe Island right down the east coast, um, us and all the way over to Western Australia now. So the last census in Melbourne was in October, and I was reading on your website you had over four hundred and fifty images submitted. Yeah, it was a really good effort. I think people were pretty happy to be able to get out and do something. (laughs) Um, So that benefited us. Um, At the moment, we're looking at um, upwards of 90 species from October alone. Wow. And what do you do with these all? Is it, I mentioned it's part of a growing database. It's to obviously create this big sort of um, collection of information that can be used for, do you sort of have connections with Museums Victoria? Um, so the database is with researchers at Southern Cross University and they've been using it um, basically to create some papers around distribution of slugs and where we're finding them in kind of time and space. Um, but the plan is also to move things onto like an online platform so it is actually a lot more accessible to researchers and institutions kind of all around the country. Yeah, I saw on social media this morning there's already been um, quite a lot of photos uploaded with people uh, sort of showing showing their gorgeous photos, not quite sure of what they're looking at. And the community is really active, aren't they? They sort of all, all get in there and give their thoughts on what species people might be looking at. Yeah, it's a really great community and we've definitely seen that um, this weekend in Apollo Bay. Like, like I said, the weather's been pretty shocking, um, but so many people out there on the reef having a look, so it was really encouraging. Yeah. So how, how has this weekend gone, Nicole? What are, what are your results looking like so far? So we, we did mostly intertidal um, survey, so we didn't actually go for a dive. Um, so the intertidal crew has found at least 10 species by my count, um, which is pretty good, given that <laughs> one of the days we had 35 mils of rain in the first two hours that we're out there. <laughs> so they've done really well. <laughs> and of those species, were there any surprises? Are there ones that you've seen before mostly? 
Um, so we did have a bit of an idea uh, using apps like iNaturalist to give you a bit of an idea of like what's being found in an area. We had a bit of an idea coming down here that we have actually found a couple of species that um, aren't on those uh, records yet, so that's kind of exciting as well. And are you going to be doing some more surveying today or has it all wrapped up for this weekend? So the census is on um, till Monday, so you've got till midnight Monday to get out and have a look. Um, I'm actually on my way down to Point Lonsdale um, to take a group of families out on the intertidal there, so that'll be pretty exciting. And there will be a couple of nudie nerds down in the pools at Point Lonny, I imagine, so if people are in the area, feel free to stop in. I love it, nudie nerds. I think we have a, we have a studio full of nudie nerds right here. Um, Fantastic. All right. Uh, Just looking at the time, we'll move on. If people want to take part today, you said you've got some people down at Point Lonsdale and I'm guessing there'll be people listening in Point Lonsdale who might want to come down and check out what it is that you're doing down there on the foreshore. Um, We've already put a link to the VNPA uh, website, Nicole, um, but when's the next uh, census event likely to happen? So the next uh, census is going to be in March. Um, so we try to run them sort of once a season. So it'll be March the 25th to the 28th. Great. So we'll be in touch with you before then and uh, get you back on the program. We can talk about the uh, the results of this weekend census, but then uh, obviously give a bit of promotion to the March event as well. Fantastic. Thanks, Nicole. Always a pleasure. Thanks, Ron. See ya. See ya. Nicole Merton's there from Victoria National Parks Association about the sea slug census or nudie watch. We're just going to call it nudie watch. Nudie watch is good, yes. (laughs) Hi, this is Bron Burton. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Triple R's Radio Marinara, a weekly radio show exploring all things wet and salty, broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Sunday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via Radio Marinara's Facebook page.